Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up, headed into the Independence Day weekend, travel is suddenly booming again, and airlines in particular are struggling to keep up with demand. How leveraging the latest technology can take one less challenge off their plate as the skies fill up. Also this morning, what can be more American than a backyard cookout for the 4th of July? We have tips and grilling recipes to help make you the greatest grill master on the block. Chef Jamie Gwen takes us on a state-by-state trip for some all-American dishes, drinks, and desserts. And we have another collection of recipes from Kyra's Kitchen for Independence Day and all summer long. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Friday, July 2nd, 2021. The 183rd day of 2021, 182 days until the end of the year. So we are officially into the second half of the year as of today. It is, speaking of all American things, it is drive your Corvette to work day today. <laughs> drive. <laughs> I saw that and I was like, well, that's very uh, all American, but it does have a bit of a limited audience. You know what I mean? Drive your Corvette to work day today. So if you don't have a Corvette, I guess you're uh, SOL. It is, uh, <laughs> it is made in the USA day. It is, this is cool. Today is I forgot day. It says here it is a day for making up for all of the important days that you have forgotten over the past year. (laughs) A day to apologize and to send cards and gifts to all of those that you have forgotten about. (laughs) So, I forgot day today, and it is Comic Sans Day, in honor of the uh, font that we all love to hate uh, on... uh, you know, Microsoft Outlook and Microsoft Word and all the Comic Sans days. So, uh, this is uh, this is kind of interesting. The headline out of Sacramento reads: Mayor proposes right to housing with mandatory housing for the homeless. And so, I read the headline and the first thing that comes to mind you might think this is more ultra liberal california nonsense mandatory housing for the homeless i mean how are you going to do that you know but then the story itself goes a little bit deeper and this is intriguing to me so here is the story sacramento california mayor Daryl Steinberg has proposed a first-of-its-kind measure to deal with homelessness in his city, which combines a right to housing with homeless people being required to accept housing when it is offered. Mm-hmm. The right to housing part is the plan to address federal rulings that have made it increasingly difficult to enforce laws against homeless camps if there is not alternative housing available. So they want to round up all of the homeless. They want to, you know, eliminate these tent cities that pop up in major metropolitan areas. But the courts say, hey, if they don't have anywhere to go, you can't do that. So they uh, uh, are going to create 5,000 housing spaces 
It says by July, they're going to create 5,000 housing spaces by the end of this month. I don't know how they're going to do that, but that's what they say they're going to do. So anyway, the other part of the plan, uh, people who are homeless could face civil penalties if they decline housing that they are offered. Mayor Seinberg says the penalty has not yet been determined, but they're thinking something like, education or treatment of some kind <clears throat> bob uh, erlenbush of the sacramento regional sacramento regional coalition to end homelessness says he backs the requirement to accept offered housing although he questions the enforcement and the legal director of the national homelessness law center eric tars is adamantly against the requirement saying quote the right to housing is based on the inherent dignity of the individual. So a straightforward obligation to accept whatever is offered undermines that. I'm talking about the dignity of the individual. Is there a whole lot of dignity in living in a tent city? I, I don't know. But anyway, it's just kind of interesting. Again, the story belies the headline in that, yes, they want to put up mandatory housing for the homeless, but then they're going to penalize the homeless saying, if you're not going to take what we offer you, uh, which is better than nothing, then we're going to hold you accountable for that. So really kind of, kind of interesting story there. We'll see how that uh, plays itself out. Some of the other uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your uh, Friday morning started. Your kids going to, uh, your kids going to camp. Uh, for the summer, or uh, maybe you're taking them to an amusement park or something now that those things are reopened post-pandemic. There is an interactive theme park that is coming to Middle Tennessee that is aimed at ramping up reading for kids by bringing childhood favorite stories to life with literary-inspired attractions. It's called Storyville Gardens. <laughs> I'm thinking, man, does this sound like a thrill a minute? <clears throat> it is the brainchild of Storyland Studios, which is a company that's worked with the likes of Universal, Disney, Marvel, Legoland, and others. Middle Tennessee, they say, continues to experience an economic boom, and young families move here every day. However, Nashville and the surrounding counties are missing family-friendly entertainment options for children. This is according to developer Delisa Garrier. In a statement, she goes on to say Storyville Gardens will provide that option while also helping parents and caregivers instill a love of reading in children. So, I don't know. I don't know if my kids, when they were younger, would have been into that. Hey, pack up, pack up the kids and head to the car. We're going to Storyville Gardens. I don't know. We'll see if it works. What are you doing for your 4th of July holiday? Whatever it is that you are doing in this extended weekend cannot compare to this. A new world record has been set for the fastest crossing of the Pacific Ocean uh, by a rowing crew. That's right. A rowing crew crossing the Pacific Ocean. The rowing team, called Latitude 35, arrived in Honolulu on Wednesday after traveling all the way from San Francisco, 2,270 miles. They set sail on May 31st, 
And so it took him the entire, basically the entire month of June to row from San Francisco to Hawaii, 2,270 miles, 30 days, seven hours and 30 minutes to be exact. The previous record set back in 2016 took slightly longer than 39 days. So they trimmed a week and a half almost off the previous record. They say their biggest challenge was COVID-19, which delayed their training last year. But nonetheless, they have said it. That's just mind-boggling to me. I mean, who wakes up one day and says, you know what? What I really want to do is row from San Francisco to Hawaii. (laughs) I mean, the ocean can be a dangerous place in a rowboat. (laughs) But so kind of makes... Anything you have planned for the 4th of July weekend pale in comparison, doesn't it? And one other story here among the first things you need to know this morning, and it is sports-related. Former University of Southern California star running back Reggie Bush wants his Heisman back and his college stats reinstated now that college athletes, as of yesterday, are allowed to profit from their name, image, and likeness. Uh, Reggie Bush, you recall, gave up his Heisman after the NCAA stripped USC of their 2004 national title and vacated 14 victories between 2004 and 2005 following an investigation that found Reggie Bush had received improper benefits when he was a student athlete. Well, those benefits are now now no longer improper. Uh, He said in a statement yesterday, it is my strong belief that I won the Heisman Trophy fair and square due to my hard work and dedication on the football field. And it is also my firm belief that my records should be reinstated. He's getting a lot of support. Former Heisman winners, Matt Leinert, Mark Ingram, Johnny Manziel, all backing Reggie Bush in his effort to be reinstated as a Heisman Trophy, get his trophy back and have his records reinstated. Although, if I'm Reggie Bush, I'm not sure that I want Johnny Manziel's (laughs) support. I don't know that that's such a big deal. But it's interesting that that he is uh, asking for that. It will be interesting to see if they grant that request because that would be applying those standards retroactively. I mean, he was found guilty of violating the rules as they existed at the time. And if they apply the new rules retroactively, I would imagine they're going to have to go back and change a lot of things. For example, uh, you remember the uh, pants gate at Ohio state that led to Jim Tressel's resignation and improper benefits uh, for uh, the, the tattoo gate scandal at OSU. You remember that? And uh, OSU had to vacate a number of wins and uh, I think a Sugar Bowl win and all of that. Do you go back then and reinstate all of that? So it's going to be interesting to see what the NCAA does. If they acquiesce to Reggie Bush, they're going to have a lot more similar requests and potentially, I would imagine, lawsuits on their hands. So it'll be interesting to see how they uh, handle that moving forward. So there you go, some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Friday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. The WTOL 11 first alert forecast. Mostly sunny today with a high of 74, partly cloudy tonight, a low of 57. A Finley business was evacuated due to a bomb threat. 
It happened at about 8.30 Thursday morning at Freudenberg NOK at 555 Marathon Boulevard. The Finley Police Department responded to the plant to investigate a report of a bomb threat written on a bathroom stall. Police say a search of the building revealed no suspicious items or devices and employees were allowed to go back inside. If you're hitting the road for the 4th of July weekend, you're going to have a lot of company out there. Kimberly Schwinn with AAA Ohio says this will be the busiest 4th of July ever on the roads in Ohio and nationally, with overall travel numbers nearly back to pre-pandemic levels. Schwinn says hotel and rental car costs are up sharply from a year ago. Dave James, I went in news. Of the more than 2 million Ohioans that plan to travel this Independence Day weekend, 95% of them will drive to their destinations. AAA predicts the heaviest traffic congestion to occur during the late afternoon today and on Monday. Governor DeWine has signed the state's two-year budget, a budget he says strongly supports children. $20 million will go towards expanding the Ohio START program, which is a program that I launched when I was the Attorney General. It provides specialized services to families, particularly children who have suffered victimization due to their parents. And the governor says smart financial decisions made during the pandemic allowed lawmakers to invest in the future in the $75 billion budget. Get more on the new state budget on our website. Ohio Treasurer Robert Sprague of Finley has announced the Compass Award honorees for the month of July. The monthly recognition program commends organizations, programs, and individuals across Ohio who are working to guide Ohioans towards financial literacy and empowerment. Compass Award honorees for July include the Habitat for Humanity Finley Hancock County Financial Opportunity Center. Habitat recently opened the Financial Opportunity Center to engage, educate, and empower area residents to become financially self-sufficient. Sprague says we're fortunate to have people and organizations across Ohio using innovative and evidence-based approaches to teach financial literacy. Get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. So the Independence Day fireworks celebration is back this year at the Hancock County Fairgrounds. A lot of folks uh, really happy to hear that. And in case you missed it, a couple of weeks ago, Fair Board President Jeff Cole was with us to fill us in on all of the details. The Independence Day fireworks are are back, so folks excited about that? Yes, they are. And, uh, you know, that's going to take place on July 3rd, which is a Saturday, for what it's worth, and we hope we don't need it. The rain day will be uh, July 5th. Uh, but we are bringing back the fireworks. We're excited about that after a year off from that for mm-hmm. the pandemic. And I uh, want to say thanks to uh, the city of Finley and the Alliance and uh, Visit Finley. Um, for the, the Convention and Visitors Bureau for helping us put that together. It's been a partnership work uh, the last several years in putting that together, and we're very excited to be working with them. And uh, that's going to kick off 4 o'clock on uh, Saturday. I was going to say, traditionally, the uh, fireworks uh, has been more than just the fireworks uh, in the evening. It's been an all-day event, and uh, many of those same familiar uh, happenings are back. Many of them are back, but not all of them. Uh, And so let me just start with what you won't see this year, which is uh, we will not have uh, big carnival rides and games. Okay, Uh, That did not work out for us this year, Our, our, our a provider of that in the last couple of years good for them we're able to uh, get another gig uh, and uh, so uh, they, they aren't available but we hope to have a few kitty rides pony rides uh, all your favorite food vendors will be there and a few new ones to try so uh, try to make sure that you get there they'll start serving around four o'clock we have a live concert that starts at eight o'clock with a local band the cherry bombs 
and uh, we're excited about that. They do 70s, 80s, 90s pop and country covers. Uh, and the talent stage is uh, sponsored by Meyer, so we're really appreciative of Meyer for sponsoring that. And a huge shout out to all of those who supported the Ag- Agricultural Society uh, through the past year, because I know uh, there were a lot of questions with respect to uh, income lost, revenue lost, uh, being that the fairgrounds was shut not, shut down, not just the loss of the fair itself, but all of the other activities that happen at the fairgrounds. That's right. We've had a lot of support from the community, from uh, corporate sponsors, and uh, from our membership, our Ag Society membership, and our Friends of the Fair uh, all have have helped us out uh, to make sure that we're still here, still viable, and be able to have a, a, a great county fair here this year at the Labor Day weekend. And let's not forget, the Independence Day fireworks are back July 3rd, uh, happening all day uh, over at the uh, fairgrounds as well. Fair Board President Jeff Cole with us this morning. Jeff, thanks very much for the update. We appreciate it. You bet. Thanks, Chris. Our conversation a couple of weeks ago with uh, Fair Board President Jeff Cole uh, with all of the uh, info on the Independence Day fireworks celebration back this year at the Hancock County Fairgrounds. That is tomorrow. Some other area fireworks displays, by the way. They'll be shooting off fireworks uh, tomorrow uh, evening at Foundation Park in Fostoria, at the Putnam County Fairgrounds in Ottawa, at the Wood County Fairgrounds in Bowling Green. All of those are tomorrow. Uh, Tonight, if you want to get an early start on the fireworks, They'll be shooting them off in Ada, I believe over at War Memorial Park in Ada, and then on Sunday on the 4th at Hedges Boyer Park in Tiffin. So some of the area fireworks displays that are planned for the Independence Day weekend. Also, don't forget the Findlay 4th of July Parade. That is on Sunday. The parade steps off at noon, begins at Lima Street, and ends at Center Street. And then, of course, the Ice Cream Social at the Hancock Historical Museum. We were talking about that yesterday with Sarah Sisser. Uh, that from 1 to 4 p.m. on Sunday uh, with Deach's Ice Cream. And as uh, Sarah pointed out, Deach's is closed uh, on the 4th, so... The only place in town to get beaches on the 4th of July is at the Hancock Historical Museum there. Ice cream social, good old-fashioned ice cream social on the porch at the museum from 1 to 4 p.m. after the parade. So if you need more information about uh, all of the happenings uh, for the uh, 4th and so on, head to our webpage, WFIN.com. We've got uh, more information there for you. Well, we've seen the stories in the news that airlines in particular are struggling to keep up with the sudden resurgence in travel demand as people's pent-up frustrations with being locked down and nowhere to go are being let loose all at once this summer. Technology, once again, to the rescue. Brianna Frank is director of IBM Cloud, focused on developer services. And Brianna, what role does technology play in the travel industry, especially as it relates to what we're seeing right now with the airlines struggling to meet this sudden demand? Well, it's such a great question. You know, we've leveraged technology for quite some time to find the best price, to find the best flight, to find that perfect hotel room in the perfect location. But now more than ever, we're having to leverage technology to keep us safe. So we're seeing trends in really contactless travel. So, you know, really being able to prevent, um, you know, face-to-face contact as much as possible. 
And what's interesting is the side effect in many cases is that the consumer actually has a better experience. They have a more on-demand experience because they can, you know, be more in the driver's seat about what they want. Maybe they want to order a snack or drink right from their seat in an app instead of having to wait for a flight attendant to kind of come around and ask for them, you know, if they if they want another um, uh, soft drink or beverage. So I think that it's uh, technology is really going to, we're seeing a surge in um, different technologies that are being leveraged post-pandemic, but I think that's really going to benefit us as travelers. And you say that the travel companies have actually accelerated the adoption of these types of technologies during the pandemic. They really have. You know, um, the the travel industry is really focused on keeping us safe. So, uh, you know, contactless uh, interactions are Mm. top of mind. And so the travel industry has really had to adjust. And some of the technologies I've seen that have been leveraged are, you know, AI. So you're seeing artificial intelligence being used to predict when, you know, a uh, a rental car company needs to to um, shore up the, the amount of vehicles that they have in a specific city because of a surge of demand, mm. or maybe the use of virtual assistants to help with answering questions or resolve problems. Maybe if your flight is delayed due to weather, you want to rebook that flight right in the app instead of having to talk to a an agent. And so, you know, the, the you know, um, surge of technology that we're seeing here is really meant to keep us safe, but it's also, I think, a good side effect is that we're having a better on-demand experience. And interestingly, uh, we as consumers are, you know, we, we like that. And so the more that we see this frictionless experience, the more that we're, we're demanding more features like that. And the flip side of that, of course, is that there are benefits to uh, travel companies uh, as well with the adoption of these uh, various technologies. And I would imagine, circling back to what we were talking about uh, before, where you know airlines and travel companies, rental car companies, all of these are all of a sudden this sudden influx in the summer of 2021, which is causing some headaches in the way they've got to ramp up. Um, but this frees up some of those resources to focus on resolving those issues while the technologies uh, handle some of the other things like you say rebooking because of weather and all of that. And I can just see I can just see the travel companies uh, out there saying or the airlines saying, you know, we've got enough to deal with uh, right now. If we can leverage technology to take care of these everyday sort of things. That's going to free up more of our resources to get everything, you know, back to normal uh, on the on the pandemic related end, I guess. That's exactly right. That's that's what I'm seeing is that, you know, where we can offload the travel industry with yeah. technology operations, they have more time to focus on what they're best at, which is, you know, travel. And, you know, one of the the, the key factors in that is, of course, hybrid cloud. And what we're, allow, we're allowing the, the travel industry to do is leverage cloud in many different locations. And their on-prem data centers in the cloud, they're able to iterate faster. They're able to create new features and functions based on, you know, the pandemic or, you know, the demands that they're seeing. And they're able to react much faster. The other element that's really important is keeping data safe and secure. And so that's a big challenge now that we're starting to get our sure. passports out again and our credit cards. Keeping data secure is, is really top of mind for the travel industry. And that's something that, you know, is really important to IBM. We believe that our clients' data are their data alone. We don't um, profit or, or off of our clients' data in any way. 
You know, the the next question on my list uh, that I wanted to wanted to ask was where will consumers see the benefits of all of this when they travel? And I guess maybe in a sense, the the best part of the answer to that question is if it's if it's integrated properly and it's seamless, they may not even notice it. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I think our expectations and our demands have really changed. I actually was booking a, a personal vacation for my family um, recently. And one of the things that really struck me as interesting is that in the reviews, there were people that complained about waiting 20 minutes to check in. And I thought that was kind of interesting because of the, the entire trip, you know, you know, start to stop. That's the thing that stuck out in their mind. And I think that, you know, we as consumers, we don't want to wait. We're, we're you know, we're very demanding uh, users. And so, you know, waiting 20 minutes to check in is just not something that consumers are willing to do anymore. And therefore, um, you know, contactless, you know, on-demand check-in where you're using maybe your phone as your key to your hotel room, we're seeing those trends, one, to keep yeah. us safe and, and have less human contact, but also we as consumers just don't have a lot of patience and we don't want to <laughs> wait. So that's kind of the trends that I'm seeing. And I, I would imagine this is something that right now we're talking about how uh, all of this is being leveraged, all of this is new, um, but in the not too distant future, this is going to be just the you know the standard of the way things operate. I mean, we're not too far away from uh, that day. Yeah, you know, a lot of these airlines and travel companies have been leveraging hybrid cloud for some time, but I think the pace of innovation is really increasing. So yeah. now the the, the demands of us as consumers are higher than ever before, but we're also, you know, uh, the airlines and the, the travel industry, they're having to keep up and they're having to push new features in an hourly basis instead of, you know, months, years. They're having to really continuously deliver new experiences and new features. And that's a lot of pressure uh, to keep up with that demand. I think that's faster than we've ever seen before. Yeah, uh, not unlike a lot of industries which have seen uh, the acceleration over the past year of uh, trends that have been long in the making, but all of a sudden are here now suddenly. Again, uh, Brianna Frank is director of IBM Cloud focused on developer services. We're talking about the the way technology, leveraging technology in the travel industry is uh, changing the entire experience. Where do folks go for more information on all of this? Absolutely. They can go to ibm.com forward slash cloud for more information. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news is brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. The SWAT team in West Whiteland Township, Pennsylvania, got a little bit more than they expected after a two-hour standoff with a burglar earlier this week. Officers responded to a house alarm at 4.30 in the morning on Monday to find someone inside of the home that wasn't supposed to be there. Uh, Officers uh, established a perimeter, brought the county SWAT team to the scene. A standoff ensued until shortly before 6 a.m. when 36-year-old Brian Smith walked out of the house completely naked. (laughs) He surrendered completely naked naked. Here's the thing that I wonder when I saw that story, the first thing that comes into my mind is did they demand that he keep his his hands in the air? Uh if he was naked, I mean where would he be hiding a weapon? 
why would would it be important to have your hands uh, in the air still? Because you really wouldn't be hiding a weapon, right? That's, I mean... <laughs> okay, you can put your hands down. We don't worry about it. No, you're not hiding anything. Uh, he was charged with... He's not hiding anything, quite literally. He was charged with burglary, cr- uh, criminal trespass, criminal mischief, and theft. Uh, but it doesn't say that he was uh, charged with indecent exposure. So kind of interesting there. Give him a break. Elsewhere in the broken news, again, we say that it's not really funny, generally speaking, when people die, but sometimes the circumstances surrounding a tragedy uh, are, are just too bizarre to pass up. A chef in Iraq uh, is tragically has tragically died after a freak accident involving hot soup. <laughs> that's, that's the headline. A chef from Iraq is dead following a freak accident involving hot soup. The report is that Isa Ismail was helping prepare food for a wedding banquet when he slipped and fell into a vat of boiling soup. What a way to go. Uh, He tumbled out and was rushed to the hospital with third degree burns covering 70% of his body. Yikes. Uh, His death has prompted a strong media reaction within Iraq, with many decrying allegedly lax safety standards inside that nation's restaurants and kitchens. So, wow, that is, like I said, it's not funny when somebody dies, but that is maybe the most bizarre death that I have ever heard. Death by soup. Police in Tamarack, Florida, always have to have a story from Florida. Police in Tamarack, Florida, arrested a woman for assaulting her boyfriend because he ate all of her Oreo cookies. (laughs) Police say the woman, who happens to be 17 weeks pregnant, threw her cell phone at her boyfriend after discovering that he ate all of her Oreo cookies, leaving her with cravings that she couldn't satisfy. Women everywhere. Any woman who's ever gone through that is now nodding their head saying, yes, I understand. I completely understand. (laughs) The victim, who, by the way, is the father of the child, was taken to a nearby hospital where he received three staples uh, for a cut in his head uh, on his head. Uh, He was treated and released. According to the uh, news report, the woman has been charged with one count of aggravated battery. Uh, She was released on her own recognizance along with a little friendly advice from the judge at the arraignment. The judge said, next time you buy Oreos, hide them so that you are the only one who knows where they are. (laughs) Good advice. Good advice there. (laughs) Again, every woman everywhere who's ever been through it is nodding in agreement saying, I, I certainly understand. I say, if there, if there are any women on the jury uh, for this trial, she's going to be acquitted. <laughs> I think. Uh, a follow-up in the uh, broken news this morning. You remember the guy who jumped off a moving plane at LAX after trying to get into the cockpit? That made headlines. We talked about it in the broken news, I think, a week ago, and it made big headlines. They were concerned uh, about, you know, was this a terrorist, uh, an attempt at a terrorist attack or something? Well, it turns out it was much less sinister than that, apparently. 33-year-old Luis Antonio Victoria Dominguez 
is facing 20 years in prison for interfering with a flight crew. He now says he was coming down from all of the drugs he had used, telling the FBI that earlier in the week before the flight, he had purchased a lot of crystal meth, <laughs> which he had smoked in the two days prior to boarding the flight. <laughs> I wasn't trying to, I, I'm not a terrorist. I just had a lot of crystal meth. Uh, he said he thought he heard some passengers talking about the flight going to a different city other than, than the intended destination. Uh, and that, when he heard that, he panicked, he said, hurried to the front of the plane where he pushed his way past a flight attendant and started banging on the door to the cockpit. Apparently, he wanted to make sure that the pilots were going to Salt Lake City where the flight was supposed to go because he was concerned. <laughs> that was the whole thing. When the pilots did not open the door, because they don't open the door when there's someone pounding on it, that's when he moved uh, past the flight attendant and turned towards uh, the front right emergency exit door, opened that, and jumped out of the plane. Because he was <laughs> he was worried. That <laughs> and it was all as he was coming down off a high. <clears throat> At least that's his story. Who knows? Uh, I suppose he could be making it all up, but that's a pretty wild story to make up. You know, that's... And finally, in the broken news this morning, in honor of the 4th of July holiday, police say a Florida man pretending to be a firework uh, have run has run afoul of Cape Coral's noise ordinance. <laughs> An unidentified man in Cape Coral, Florida, was caught on security camera screaming, boom, 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 firecracker at the top of his lungs at three in the morning last Friday. <laughs> Residents believe the man was protesting people who had been celebrating the 4th of July a week early. Uh, Sarah Warnicky, who caught the man's shenanigans on her uh, doorbell camera, said that he could also be heard calling the fireworks annoying and angrily yelling at people to quit using them in the middle of the night. So <laughs> he may have made his point, but he now faces charges of violating the city's noise ordinance. So ends justify the means? I don't know. There you go. Uh, that was, if it was worth it, I guess. That is today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. It's the WFIN Virtual Car Show. Get them out, shine them up, and upload a pic of your classic, and we'll post it to WFIN.com for everybody to see. In addition, we'll have an online car show calendar so that you know when and where all the area shows are. It's chrome and horsepower on display online. The WFIN Virtual Car Show and Calendar. Thanks to Details Auto Spa, Loritz Chevrolet Cadillac, and 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Kind of interesting data for this all-American holiday weekend. In today's daily download, the numbers behind the news, the statistics that shape our lives, it seems that America's most iconic youth organizations, the Boy Scouts of America and the Girl Scouts of the USA, have been jolted by unprecedented one-year drops in membership. Now, of course, this is due partly to the pandemic, but also partly to social trends that have been shrinking their ranks for decades. 
Uh, Both organizations insist that they will survive, but the dramatic declines raise questions about how effectively they will be able to carry out their time-honored missions of teaching skills and teamwork, providing outdoor adventure, encouraging community service, membership for the Cub Scouts and Scouts BSA uh, programs. The Scouts BSA are the recently instituted co-ed programs, but uh, uh, membership in Cub Scouts and Scouts BSA programs dropped from 1.97 million youth in 2019 to 1.12 million in 2020, a 43% plunge, according to figures provided by the Associated Press. Or provided to the Associated Press. Court records show membership has fallen further since then to about 762,000, under a million. The Girl Scouts say their youth membership fell by nearly 30% from about 1.4 million in 2019 2020 to just over 1 million this year. Hard to imagine the Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts going away. And again, they say, you know, they're going to survive. But you have to wonder if maybe they will survive in a much different form moving forward. So what is more appropriate for an all-American holiday than an all-American backyard barbecue? Joining us this morning is uh, Josh Capon, celebrity chef, restaurateur from the National Cattlemen's Beef Association Culinary Center this morning. I can almost smell the grill from here. Can I go ahead and answer that question that you just asked, by the way? What's that? Nothing. Nothing <laughs> is better than a backyard barbecue <laughs> on Independence Day. Absolutely. With some great steaks and burgers coming off the backyard barbecue for your friends and family to enjoy, because I know we're all looking forward to some good company after this long period. Absolutely. So uh, let's start with some basic tips for those who will be cooking out uh, for the 4th or really any time this summer. What are some good basic tips that home cooks should uh, adhere to? I think basic tips when it comes to grilling – Get your grill super hot, all right? Once it's really hot, give it a nice brush with your grill brush. Clean it up a little bit. Don't be afraid to take a rag with a little bit of oil and rub those grates so they're like kind of nonstick, if you will. Shine them up a little bit. Uh, make sure when you're cooking your beef that you season it aggressively with at least kosher salt and black pepper. Salt brings out the natural flavor in beef. It also helps create a really nice char and a great crust, which is something that we're looking for. Um, avoid fire. We don't want to cook with flames. A little bit of flames are okay, but you don't want your steak or your burger engulfed in flames because it will taste like carbon. Don't play with your meat when it's on the grill. All right? Let it sit. Let it develop a crust. Let it develop some texture. If I see you flipping your burger 17 times, I'm going to smack you in the face with that <laughs> spatula. I'm not, I'm not really threatening violence, but let the grill do its magic. That's why we're cooking on a backyard barbecue. Um, I think also really important, when you reach the desired temperature of the doneness that you're looking for in your beef and you pull it off onto the cutting board, let that meat rest. And what does that mean by letting it rest? When it comes off the grill, it's all fired up, right? It's all fired up. You need to let it rest for just a few minutes to let those juices evenly be distributed throughout the meat so you have a juicy steak and a juicy burger and not a juicy cutting board. Great all-around tips for whatever it is that you are cooking on the grill. You have some great grilling recipes on the uh, Beef It's What's For Dinner uh, website. I have some of my seven-time award-winning burgers 
with caramelized onion and bacon jam, melted American cheese, shaved pickles and secret sauce on a toasted brioche bun, as well as some chili rub skirt steak tacos with a charred jalapeno and red onion salsa, a slice of avocado, and some grated tortilla cheese. Mm. And I promise you, if you can see how good these things look and how wonderful they smell, if you duplicate these in your backyard this weekend, you will not need to go look for fireworks anywhere because <laughs> these will do the trick. I, you know, there is another perfect example. We've talked about it on the program before. Uh, there are probably some people are thinking tacos on the grill. You can literally do anything on the grill. You can do anything on the grill. And when you grill up skirt steak or flank steak, you pull it off, you, you slice up that steak, you put it in like kind of like a casserole dish, maybe with a lid on it. You warm up the tortillas, you have the salsa. You can have your make your own taco bar, make your own burger bar. It is so easy. It is so delicious. Now, one very important thing I, I want to make sure that we talk about in terms of putting food safety uh, first, and I'm not sure we mentioned it uh, earlier, is that we need to make sure that we are checking the temperature uh, of whatever it is that we're grilling uh, and not just going by looks alone. Sure. Wherever you are right now, if you poke your cheek, literally take your finger and poke your cheek, that's, that's considered rare. You're, you're testing the resistance of the meat. If you poke your nose... That's closer to a medium. It's a little firmer. Mm. And if you poke your chin, if you poke your chin, it's even firmer. That's closer to a well done. So proteins firm up as you cook them. All right. It should look obviously beautiful, nice and charred, but you can also test it that way. Obviously, the thermometer is the best way to go. All right. Celebrity chef and restaurateur uh, Josh Capon with us uh, this morning. Where do we get uh, more uh, of those tips and those recipes that we mentioned? Visit beef. It's whatsfordinner.com. And I wish everybody a happy and safe July 4th holiday weekend. So again, this morning, we are helping you kick off the 4th of July weekend, celebrating our independence in more ways than one in 2021. And because great food makes for a great bash with family and friends, of course, Chef Jamie Gwynn now is going to take us on a cross-country trip for some of her favorite dishes state-by-state for this all-American holiday. Chef Jamie, welcome back to the show, and happy Independence Day. And to you, Chris, how very well said. Uh, I agree we are celebrating our independence in so many ways. Land of the free, home of the brave. I'm having a party in the USA, and I can't wait to tell you all about it. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having me back. You know, we're actually honoring states that are food fanatical. Um and you know I love I love any state that's food fanatical, of course. Um, but I've got lots of recipes and ideas to sort of stir up summer. Because that's where everything starts is with the food. So what do you got? So first and foremost, it might sound odd to use your slow cooker during the summer. Uh, but, you know, it does all the work and it doesn't add any ambient heat to the kitchen. So if you're sure. feeding a crowd, you want to make uh, these barbecue pulled turkey wraps. It's this delicious combo of oven-roasted turkey, creamy slaw, and tangy pickles. And to give it its rich flavor, uh, in patriotic style, we honor the state of Kentucky because Kentucky legend makes the number one selling quarter-sliced turkey. It's sliced turkey like for sandwiches, which I love, uh, but I use it for everything. And it's double-smoked. It's ready to eat, and it comes in three great flavors. So you'll find classic oven-roasted, hickory-smoked, or Cajun-style. And the Kentucky Legend turkey mixed with the barbecue sauce in the slow cooker. You can make it and make your own where everybody puts their wraps together. It's just a, a really tasty, delicious meal. 
And then I pair it with a couple of side dishes. Okay. Uh, I am a girl at the grill, by the way. You know, I fire up the grill for backyard barbecues, of course. Uh, but I think that some of the work could be done in advance. So I love a summer pasta salad. And I make the pearls olive tortellini salad, cheese tortellini, two kinds of pearls olives, fresh tomato, lots of herbs for that herbaceousness. Um, and I happen to really love and trust pearls. People who love olives do. Both pearls black ripe and their green simply olives are 100% grown and packed in my home state of sunny California, picked at the peak of freshness. But here's something uh, very patriotic. Pearls is committed to keeping jobs in the U.S. And what better time than the July 4th holiday to support American companies, right? Absolutely. I love that. Absolutely. They always look for their, yeah, sunny yellow packaging. And then one more side dish, if you don't mind. Sure. Straight from my air fryer, Chris, which, by the way, another great appliance to use during the summer. I use it year round. Mm -hmm. But sweet potato fries from your air fryer are the best. My son loves them. So like crispy on the outside and tender on the inside. And I always look for and choose North Carolina sweet potatoes. So we're venturing on over to North Carolina because they're the number one sweet potato producer in the U.S. They're also celebrating their 60th anniversary, the North Carolina Sweet Potato Commission, that is, this year. And did you know that sweet potato is actually one word? I did not know that. Neither did I, but we're going to be like the life of the party this weekend because we're, we're going to tell everybody. A little <laughs> tidbit of information there. That's right. Dinner party conversation. Um, they're nutrient dense, vitamins A and C. They're low in calories. I feel very good about feeding my son all the sweet potatoes he wants. I use them year round. They have a long shelf life. I mean, there's everything good about them. And now I have a cocktail and a dessert. Which one do you want first? Uh, let's do the cocktail like, first. You got it. Okay. Maybe you're planning a beach day or having a barbecue with family. Palm antioxidant super teas are the perfect refreshing companion for those summertime celebrations. So palm teas are great as a grab-and-go beverage. They easily elevate, though, to a simple cocktail. Uh, I make a palm tea spritz. The recipe is at palmwonderful.com. It's bright with citrus. And tea pairs well with spirits. Each bottle of palm tea is gently brewed to preserve its antioxidant goodness, offering the benefits of tea. It's a delicious, refreshing alternative to traditional ready-to-drink tea. Uh, it's a great cocktail recipe, though, so be sure to grab it. And then last but not least, when I say dessert, do you think cheese? Uh, not usually. <laughs> I know. <laughs> wait till you make a mixed berry trifle using aged cheddar cheese, you get this combination, Chris, of sweet and savory that is out of this world. Now, in patriotic style, once again, when you want to buy the best quality cheese, you look for the proudly Wisconsin cheese badge on the packaging because Wisconsin is the state of cheese. It's actually the only state to require a license to make cheese, hmm. and it's the most awarded cheese in the world. There you go. Uh, so there you go. Uh, that'll just about round out this party in the USA. We posted all the recipes, by the way, for you to steal at dailylounge.com. They look absolutely scrumptious. Celebrity chef Jamie Gwynn getting us started for our 4th of July entertaining. Chef Jamie, thanks very much. Thanks so much, Chris. Uh, a happy and safe holiday weekend to you.
It is all about food today because we're coming up on the holiday weekend. And now it is time for another collection of recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. My wife Kyra has joined us in the studio this morning. Hello there. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, You've got uh, kind of an interesting collection of uh, (laughs) recipes uh, here today. you know, we talk about uh, you know, Fourth of July is good uh, grilling oh, weekend. Yeah. Obviously, yep. everybody's going to be yep. uh, grilling, and people yep. do you do burgers and and mm-hmm. brats and dogs and you know all of those things. Yep. So you've got some chicken. Uh, yes. You've got a chicken recipe. Uh, actually, uh, we have uh, well, first the grilled chicken wings. Yeah. Then you've got the uh, the sauce yep. for the chicken wings. Yep. Which, by the way, has a kit. Uh, if you like some kicking to your chicken, yes. Um, yes. And then we've got a. Uh, a usually we have a dessert. <laughs> this is. I don't know whether this would uh, qualify as a dessert. I guess it would call, yes. qualify as a dessert. Yes. Uh, but it is one for the grown-ups. Correct. So we'll uh, yes. just put that. So let's yes. start with the uh, grilled chicken wings. So, uh, these are really easy, actually. Yes, grilled chicken wings. So four to five pounds of chicken wings. Uh, two tablespoons of garlic powder. Two tablespoons of seasoning salt, Lowry salt, mm-hmm. or two tablespoon and two tablespoons of pepper. Okay. So preheat your grill to about four hundred degrees or so uh remove the chicken from the package place it on a baking sheet cookie sheet uh cook combine the seasonings in a small bowl and sprinkle liberally all over the chicken flip it over do it that side or if you just want to sprinkle it on that's fine too Completely so you can rub it in you. so you can yep. use it like a rub, rub or, or just a spr- it depends on okay. how how much seasoning you want on your wings mm-hmm once the grill's hot, place the chicken on and allow it to sear for about 60 seconds on each side. Um, then uh, turn down your heat to medium. Um, if if the chicken doesn't let go of your grill, mm-hmm. then that means it's not ready to flip yet. Just give it a few more minutes or a few more seconds and then d- uh, loosen it up. You don't want to rip it off because that's... Um, that means yeah. that the chicken's not ready to be gotcha. cooked. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So, uh, and then allow to sear for about 60 seconds. Turn down the heat to about medium and continue to cook until the juices run clear, about seven to eight minutes. So you're looking at a total of about mm, 20 minutes or yeah. so. The, um, uh, the, chicken, the wings, chicken wings, obviously chicken wings aren't, uh, you know, the meatiest part of the bird. So right. it's not going to take a, a real long right. time. But you yep. do make a good point uh, about not flipping it too soon. Correct. Uh, so you, yeah. you want, the, yeah. you want that, uh, yeah. the, if it's the skin sticking to, to the grill, then, yeah. then don't just, it'll, okay. it'll come undone. All right. Very good. And, uh, then once you've done your wings, you have, uh, some Georgia gold barbecue dipping sauce yes. for the, uh, chicken wings. Yes. So a half a cup of yellow mustard, a third cup of Dijon mustard, a quarter cup of, uh, cider vinegar, Apple cider vinegar, mm-hmm. uh, three tablespoons of molasses, a quarter cup of honey, two tablespoons of butter, one and a half teaspoons of Worcestershire sauce, one and a half teaspoons of garlic powder, one and a half teaspoons of black pepper, three fourths teaspoons of onion powder, a half a teaspoon of cayenne pepper. Woo! Give it a little <laughs> kick there. Yep. If you want, don't want that kick, you don't have to add that if you don't want it. Sure. Or 
put a, or put less in. So um, depend if you don't want quite. Well, you've got a half a te- uh, half a teaspoon. It's not yeah. going to be not going to yeah. be a whole lot to begin with. Yeah. But well, that that'll that'll do it. I mean, so <laughs> a half a teaspoon of dried oregano and a quarter teaspoon of seasoning salt or or your Lowry salt. Mm-hmm. So combine all the ingredients for the barbecue sauce in a in a medium saucepan. Bring to a boil over medium-high heat. Reduce heat and simmer for about five minutes. Uh, stirring. Okay, I'm sorry. So you're going bring to bring it to a boil, and as soon as it boils, you bring that back down. Right. Okay. Right. Bring it down, right. and then reduce the heat and simmer for about five minutes, stirring frequently. So it's still going to kind of boil, but it's not going to boil over. Uh, well, it's going to simmer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Remove uh, from heat. Uh, during last few minutes of cooking, um, baste your chicken on both sides with the barbecue sauce, or you can just have it as a dipping sauce, or you can... Um, and by the way, this is a, a great uh, great sauce for you know your wings, or if yep. you're doing chicken breasts, yep. or you know yep. whatever you yep. like. Whatever you want to give a little kick to. Yeah, right yep. there. you can even put this on top of your burgers if you want. I was just thinking that, maybe yep. uh, on, on the burgers. Mm-hmm. So if you are doing burgers on the grill, and you yep. want to you know, uh, take it up a notch, yeah. uh, you can try this. So yep. let us know how that... Yeah, let us know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let us know how that goes. Yes. Okay, so uh, then you uh, got the uh, grilled chicken wings, the Georgia Gold Barbecue Sauce, and then for dessert, <laughs> the this may be the easiest dessert we have ever had. Um, uh, you call them Dirty Pirate Popsicles. Yes, so you found this on Facebook, and I was like, okay, we have to try this for 4th of July. I, I already have my batch made. Because <laughs> <laughs> you got to test them out. That's right. They're actually, I've already tested, and they're pretty good. But I like the name, Dirty Pirate. Yes, so yeah. two and a half cups of Coke, a third cup of Kahlua, and a third cup of spiced rum. Uh, pour the ingredients into a pitcher and mix. Pour into popsicle molds, or if you don't have popsicle molds, you can use Dixie cups. Ooh, there you go. And freeze overnight, and then enjoy. Simple uh, as that. But again, these are uh, adult uh, popsicles. Don't let the kids uh, get into these. You can make kids one-twos with Kool-Aid or juice or whatever. You can make some kids one-twos. Or just the Coke. these are for the adults. (laughs) Yeah, these are for the grown-ups. Yes. Uh, So the uh, grilled chicken wings, the Georgia Gold barbecue sauce, and the uh, dirty popsicles. Pirate Popsicles, your <laughs> offerings from Kyra's Kitchen for this uh, 4th of July weekend. And uh, we're going to have these for yes. uh, 4th of July weekend. Yes, we are. So, for sure, the Dirty Pirate Popsicles. Yes, they're <laughs> in the freezer. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Making another batch. Um, <laughs> uh, once again, uh, recipes from Kyra's Kitchen are posted on the uh, WFIN Facebook page and also linked up at goodmornings.net. And as we said, if you have a recipe that you would like uh, to share, uh, you can send it to us, uh, goodmornings at WFIN.com. If you've got an idea for a theme or a recipe that you would like, uh, by all means, yes. just let us know. Let us know. D- uh, dig into it and happy to help out. Yes. Uh, again, goodmornings.net, the uh, uh, email address for uh, all of that. Uh, my wife, Kyra, joining us uh, in the uh, studio this morning to wrap up the week. Kai, thanks very much. You're welcome. And that is our podcast for today, wrapping up the week and heading into the long holiday weekend. A quick note uh, here, there will be no podcast on Monday, taking an extended weekend for the 4th of July holiday. Hope you and yours have a very good one. Coming up on Tuesday, 
The Declaration of Independence often gets overshadowed by the Constitution, but after the fireworks and the cookouts of the Independence Day holiday, what does America's original founding document really mean? So until Tuesday morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day, a great weekend, happy holiday, and we'll catch you back here next week.